Discerning Hearts presents Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. This podcast is an audio taken from a Discerning Hearts seminar conducted by Father Gallagher on Discerning the Will of God. Handouts alluded to by Father Gallagher can be found in the post connected to this episode at discerninghearts.com. The video instruction can be found in the same post as well or on the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. We now begin Conference 4 of Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. So welcome back once more, and uh, let's just pick right up with uh, where we were last time. And we're looking at the spiritual means that Ignatius proposes to help us discern Eucharist, confession, and we had begun talking about the important place that Ignatius gives to prayer with Scripture in any process of discernment. And we had looked at just one experience of praying with Scripture as Richard prays with the encounter of Jesus and Zacchaeus and how it personalizes for him and it becomes his encounter with Jesus that is healing, that, that lifts doubts and burdens from his heart. And we had concluded uh, with the question, what if we prayed like this in a process of discernment? What if we were able to pray daily like this in a process of discernment? When the Second Vatican Council turns to Scripture, and it has an entire document, a dogmatic constitution on divine revelation, Dei Verbum, in the final chapter of that document, it looks at script, the role of Scripture in the pastoral life of the Church. So we could speak of it as the role of Scripture in our spiritual lives. And amongst other things, the Council says that Scripture is, for the members of the Church, a source of strength for their faith. As we pray with Scripture, our faith becomes stronger, more robust. Uh, who of us does not need that in today's world? When we pray with Scripture, we find there food for our souls, nourishment that invigorates and gives energy and life. And I love this last phrase here. When we pray with Scripture, read Scripture, approach Scripture, we find there a pure and lasting fount of spiritual life. Now we can ask the same question that we've asked with regard to some of these other means. Who of us would not find these three fruits a blessing for his or her process of discernment? A faith that grows stronger, more energy, nourishment for the soul, and then a pure and not passing but lasting fount or source of energy for our spiritual lives. It's enough just to see this one single sentence from the Second Vatican Council to see, if you want, in a theological way, why Ignatius, when he goes to the practice of discernment, so much wants us to build prayer with Scripture into our process of discernment. Now, uh, as we mentioned, this is essential in the spiritual exercises. This is the, this is the grace that Ignatius has us ask for in the central part of the exercises as we are approaching and then in the actual time of discernment itself, 
and praying repeatedly with scripture day after day in the course of the retreat. This is the grace that he asks us to seek from the Lord. Here, it, the grace that we seek, will be to ask for intimate knowledge of our Lord so that we may love him more and follow him more closely. So it's a three-part grace that we seek from the Lord. We ask for knowledge of the Lord. And Ignatius precedes this with the adjective intimate. By intimate knowledge, what he means is not even as blessed as it is, the kind of knowledge that comes from study, let's say, of commentaries on scripture, writings of uh, various theologians, all of which is important and very beneficial for the spiritual life. But this is something more. This is what he calls uh, intimate knowledge of our Lord. It's the kind of knowledge that, let's say, friends have of each other, spouses have of each other, people in love have of each other. The, kind, the way of knowing a person that comes from spending time with the person, uh, opening hearts mutually in conversation, sharing activities, sharing life in various ways. That's the kind of knowledge that we ask for. And obviously, Scripture is a primary source where we can find this kind of knowledge, which is why Ignatius wants us to pray so repeatedly at this stage in the discernment, uh, primarily with the Gospels. Here it will be to ask for intimate knowledge of our Lord. Why? So that we may love him more. So it's not even something, that intimate knowledge, as rich as it is, and even uh, as it touches the whole of our, our, our humanity, doesn't remain away from the center, so to speak. We ask for that intimate knowledge so that something else will happen, so that our love for the Lord will grow. And we ask for a love, a growing love for the Lord so that we may follow him more closely. And that's where you see the discernment come in. Follow him more closely in the choice that I'm facing. Find his will, say yes to it, embrace it, and follow him in my yes to what he will show me in this, in this discernment to be his will. So that's the grace that Ignatius has us pray for when we are praying with scripture in a time of discernment. And again, you can see how essential it is just naming it as we've done. So once again, if you are discerning now, or you will be discerning at some point in the future, here's the invitation from St. Ignatius, and I'll mediate it to you. Pray like this every day. Spend some time every day during your time of discernment praying with scripture like this growing in intimate knowledge of Jesus and thereby growing in love of him and thereby ready to follow him more closely. And that is to see clearly and say yes to the option in the discernment that is on, in, uh, underway. Now, how do you pray with scripture? Uh, this is a whole another question. Um, I'm always a little slow to mention my own books, but there's a reason why I wrote them. And uh, one of them is called Meditation and Contemplation, an Ignatian Guide to Praying with Scripture, which will take you through these two methods of Ignatian meditation, which is reflection, entering into Scripture through the reflective capacity that God has given us, and then Ignatian imaginative contemplation, like Richard does, so we imaginatively enter into the scene and live it from within. 
in the one case, the port of entry into the richness of God's word is the reflective capacity that God has given us. And in the other, it's the imaginative capacity that God has given us, or some mixture of both of these approaches. Many people love Lexio Divina, which is given to us out of the monastic tradition, a way of prayerfully reading and rereading scripture until it speaks to our heart and allowing it to dwell there in communion with the Lord. The rosary is another way of praying with scripture, and there can be many others. We have a very rich Catholic spiritual tradition of prayer. Find the way of praying with scripture that best helps you. And today there are all sorts of digital resources that add to the paper or hard copy resources. Find the way that best helps you. And if you are in a time of discernment, try to dedicate some time every day to this kind of prayer. We can take this as a principle that there really is no discernment, real discernment, without prayer. Prayer is a necessary part of discernment. Of course, that the way we pray and the amount of time we give to prayer has to be filtered through the individual nuances of our lives, which are different. Uh, A mother with uh, three young children is in a different situation from another woman or the same woman later in retired life and so forth. All right, what about uh, the question of time, which for many of us is the key question when it comes to giving time to prayer daily. A life is so busy, so hectic, uh, so many demands on my time. Can I do this? Probably that question is in some of our hearts, at least, if not many of, of our hearts, as I'm extending this invitation in a time of discernment to pray daily like this. So how much time should I give to this, to this kind of prayer with scripture? An hour, 45 minutes, 30 minutes, 20, 10, more, less? There's no one answer to that. And each of us needs to answer that by looking at the circumstances of his or her life. One counsel I would give is that if you are unsure of being able to sustain, let's say, 30 minutes a day, and you're confident that you can sustain 20 minutes a day, choose the 20 minutes. It's better to choose less in a way that is sustainable than to choose more that can only be attempted with a kind of heroic effort that we know um, can't possibly last as life gets pretty hectic at times and the demands increase. Choose an amount of time that is sustainable. And if that's 10 minutes, choose 10 minutes. If it's five minutes, choose five minutes. You take one step with the Spirit and you'll see that the Spirit will open the next and the next as you go forward. But this is a warm invitation and this is deeply rooted in St. Ignatius's understanding of discernment build prayer with scripture into the discernment. Parenthetically, I think you can already see one answer to a question that people will raise at times. It's a good question, and I reverence it. Uh, Lord, I want to do your will. That's all I want to do. Couldn't you make it easier to know what your will is? Uh, Does it have to be this difficult to discern, to come to clarity uh, about your will? And one of the answers, there are a number of them, but one of the answers to this is that if we go through a process of discernment, learning from our tradition, employing the kinds of steps and tools that Ignatius is laying out for us, can you see that not only will clarity come, 
but you will grow spiritually in beautiful ways in the course of the process of discernment. You don't come out of a solid process of discernment only with clarity as to the option that God wills, but you grow spiritually in some beautiful ways in the course of a process of discernment. And to my mind, that's at least one of the reasons why God will call on us to go through a process of discernment. And sometimes, even when we're going about it well, not immediately give us clarity because he has other fruits to give us as we go through this. This is the Cathedral of Santiago de Compostela in Spain. And in uh, 1989, St. John Paul II held the first World Youth Day that was held outside of Rome here at this shrine, which is a center of pilgrimage. I remember watching this on television. I was watching the final mass which was held outside the city in a kind of natural amphitheater uh, where the ground sloped up gently from uh, a space below where they had set up a good, the stage with the altar as we see in these papal masses. And there were 600,000 young people uh, seated in this sort of vast semicircle uh, around and slightly uh, raised from the Holy Father. And what I never forgot was... Toward the latter part of his homily, he cited the biblical phrase, which was the theme for this World Youth Day, Jesus' words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he cited these words. But if, if you can remember or you heard that uh, deep, rich, powerful, masculine, warm voice that he had, uh, with, with that voice and with deeply from his heart, he cited these words, Jesus says to us, I am the way. And spontaneously from this huge throng of young people, a sustained applause arose. And the truth, and once again, moved and this applause and the life and a third time, again, this applause. That's what Ignatius means by intimate knowledge of Jesus the way this man said these words, which he had said certainly many times in his life, which these young people had probably heard many times and certainly in the days of this World Youth Day many times, but the way this man said them, out of a deep communion with Jesus, out of that deep prayer life, which you simply couldn't miss if you, if you got to know him at all, the deep faith and bond and communion and love between him and the Lord, these words said in that way were powerful and they moved the hearts of those who listened. These are the fruits that come from praying with scripture. And you can see why Ignatius invites us so warmly to build prayer with scripture into certainly at least any significant process of discernment that we may face. Next, silence. If people know anything about the Ignatian retreat, generally it tends to be the fact that you don't talk during it, that you keep silence. And if you make the complete retreat, that's 30 days without speaking. Why? Why does St. Ignatius ask someone who enters the retreat and is approaching a process of discernment and engaging in a process of discernment, why does he invite the person to silence. What's the answer to that question? 
In 1 Kings 19, we watch the prophet Elijah go up on the Mount of God, and God tells him that he will come. Elijah sits in the cave, waiting for the approach of the Lord to go out of the cave and meet the Lord. And a violent wind shakes the mountain so that the rocks are split, and Elijah does not move. And earthquakes shatters and trembles, uh, the mountain trembles and it quakes. And again, Elijah does not move. And then there is a roaring and raging fire, and Elijah does not move. And then there comes just a tiny stirring of the air, what scripture calls a still small voice. And Elijah recognizes the approach of the Lord, covers his face with his mantle, goes out of the cave to meet the Lord. God is not in the chaos. God's word does not reach us through the clamor. God's word is spoken gently, like a tiny, still, small voice. And you can't hear a still, small voice unless you are quiet enough to recognize it, to become aware of it. And that's why Ignatius invites us to build silence into the process of discernment. I want to quote just a few lines from the Danish Protestant theologian and philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. So he's writing about 200 years ago. And essentially what he's asking is this. Here is the modern world as he sees it 200 years ago. And here are the many ills and woes and struggles of the modern world. And he imagines if I were a physician and I could prescribe just one remedy for all the ills of the modern world, what would that remedy be? It's a good question. Good question to ask us ourselves today. If I were a physician and someone asked me, what do you think should be done? I would answer, the first thing, there are other things, but this is the first thing. The first thing, the unconditional condition for anything to be done is create silence, bring about silence. The unconditional condition for anything to be done is create silence, bring about silence. God's word cannot be heard And if in order to be heard in the clamor, it must be shouted deafeningly with instruments, then it is not God's word. Create silence. I love that little sentence of two words. Create silence. Just look at it for a moment briefly. As we've done a few times before, I'll invite us again to a brief time of reflection and prayer. And as I've written here an invitation, do you have silence anywhere in your life? Are you in a process of discernment? And do you have spaces where your heart is silent enough to hear a still small voice? Can we build more silence into our lives? 
We'll return to this special presentation of Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to this special presentation of Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. If, as we've been discussing this, in any of our hearts, there has stirred a sense of an invitation from the Lord to do as Kierkegaard says, and to create silence. And create is the right word because we won't find much silence simply coming across our way. We will have to create it to set aside spaces for it actively. If any of us has heard an invitation from the Lord to do that, to create silence in his or her life. And if any of us is in a process, and certainly at some point all of us will be in a process of discernment, then let's remember how important it is to allow our hearts places where they are able to quiet enough to hear a still small voice. One of the many benefits of prayer in the modern world is that for many of us, it may be the only place in the day when we have real silence. If we can just pray quietly before the Blessed Sacrament or in a quiet place at home. Spiritual direction. Uh, If we look at the the Ignatian spiritual exercises. This is another element that is fundamental for Ignatius. The person is not simply on his or her own, but as the person goes through the days of the retreat, or if it's the weeks of the retreat, doing it an hour at a time in daily life, then Ignatius always presumes regular meeting with a spiritual director. So in the context of the retreat in a retreat house setting, it will be daily. And in the context of the retreat made in daily life over a number of months, it will be weekly. So there's a key principle here that when we face a significant discernment, Ignatius understands that we should not be alone with this, that we should ideally, if it's at all possible, and do everything to make it possible, be in contact at least to some degree with a wise and competent and properly prepared spiritual person, which is an enormous help for any process of discernment. I mentioned uh, Father James Wolfe earlier, 
the pastor of the parish where I grew up for 27 years. And um, another memory of him for which I'll always be grateful. I was in the fall semester of my senior year in high school, and I'll always remember this. I was in the car with my mom, and we were driving somewhere to do something. And uh, my mom just quietly uh, raised the question, you know, you're going to have to decide pretty soon what you're going to do next year. And um, for the first time, I just quietly said, I think I'd like to go to the seminary. My way of saying, I think I'm being called to the priesthood. I had been thinking about this for a long time, but had never said anything. That was the first time I ever said anything to anyone about it. And my mom then said the best thing she could have, uh, she could have said. Uh, if that's the case, I think you should speak with uh, Father Wolf, who was our pastor, which I did. And that's when everything changed. That's when everything began to move. Now, if you'd asked Father Wolf whether he considered himself my formal spiritual director, um, my guess is he probably would have said no. Uh, he was just being a pastor who was uh, trying to be of help to a young man who was a member of his parish. And in retrospect, I think he also saw a vocation there and had tried to foster it over the years. But uh, from the day I spoke with him, that's when things began to move. Uh, he helped me visit this religious community, that religious community. I contacted the diocese, and a process was set underway that uh, led eventually into my joining my religious community and pursuing priesthood and religious life. What if I had never spoken to him? What would have happened? I'm sure God has a thousand ways. But it was breaking the silence. It was actually speaking with someone and with the right person, a wise and competent spiritual person, that moved this from a stirring in my heart to a process that led toward clarity and toward a discernment, which really determined then my vocational choice. I'll be forever grateful to him for that. But I cite this now because that's the principle that Ignatius has in mind. Uh, not to be alone. Is it, certainly, if it's a significant process of discernment, is there somebody that we can speak to, if only once or twice, or more regularly, if at all possible? And that will be an enormous help in the process of discernment itself. When we actually meet with someone in spiritual direction, it does at least two things. Others, but I'll just mention these two. It allows us to express our spiritual experience, to put things into words. And all of us know this experience of sometimes when we're able to say something, uh, we understand it a lot more clearly than we did beforehand, uh, no matter how long it has been in our hearts. And of course, the other person can help us uh, express it. Just being able to put things into words in the proper setting with the proper person helps us enter into and understand that spiritual experience much more deeply. And then, of course, we get help with discernment so that someone who is wise and competent and knowledgeable in these matters will be able to maybe say some of the kinds of things we're saying here now, but in a, in a way that we can't hear because we're in a group setting, we'll be able to apply them individually to you in your process of discernment. This is a brief quotation from a Wednesday audience talk of Pope Benedict XVI. This is from September 2009. And the Holy Father is speaking about a figure of holiness from the 11th century in the 
Eastern Church, and that is St. Simeon, the new theologian. And he's been commenting on the fact that as a young man, Simeon found his uh, vocation with the help of a, a wise and holy spiritual father. And that leads him now to apply this to more broadly to the church. And Pope Benedict spoke about this a number of times and uh, with the same kind of clarity that you'll see here. To advance toward the Lord. Now, if you and I are together in this conversation, there's only one reason for it. It's because we want to grow spiritually. We want to make progress. We want to advance toward the Lord. That it's not enough for us just to remain stationary. Um, that things stay as they are for us in the spiritual life with all the goodness that's there. But there is in our heart a desire to learn more, to pray more deeply, to grow in love of the Lord, to respond more fully to him, which is what brings us together. So, to advance toward the Lord. So now our attention is caught because he's going to show us something that's going to help us do what our hearts desire. We always have need of a guide. It could not be said more clearly than that. To advance toward the Lord, we always have need of a guide. So it could not be said more clearly than that. In other words, um, always. I mean, always uh, is a strong word. That we always need some way of being with or accompanied and not alone if we want to grow toward God and advance toward God. We always have need of a guide of some form of dialogue. And there are many forms of this. Spiritual direction in the formal sense, obviously, a regular confessor. Without trying to be spiritual directors, husbands and wives can uh, create this, this kind of conversation or accompaniment or sharing spiritual friends, groups in the parish and in other settings. There are many different ways but what the Holy Father is saying here is that if we want to grow toward the Lord, we can't just be alone. And actually, even a little more than that, we always have need of a guide, of some form of dialogue, someone with whom we can speak about what's happening spiritually. So that's said positively. That's what we always need. The same thing said on the flip side of the coin. We cannot do it just with our own reflections. Now, if I may reverently uh, put this out, any of us who ever has tried to do it just with his or her own reflections knows the truth of this. You know that feeling of how weeks, months, maybe even years are going by, and we have the sense of being stuck, so to speak, of things staying in the same place, of not moving toward clarity. You can take this as a general principle for the spiritual life. God never calls upon us to be stuck in the spiritual life. There, in the rich spiritual tradition that we have, there are many helps to help us move through such times. So that if any one of us has been, is in a process of discernment that just feels like it's not moving, time has passed and I'm just not getting any further along in this, this is a question to ask. Am I alone in this process of discernment or do I have some form of dialogue? Is there some way in which someone with whom I can find some guidance in this process. To go back to my own experience with Father Wolf, everything changed the day I began speaking with the right person about it. If we feel like we're in a process of discernment and we feel stationary and sort of stuck, 
very often the answer is exactly what Pope Benedict is saying here and what um, what St. Ignatius built so fun, uh, fundamentally into his process of discernment, and that is to be accompanied by a wise and competent spiritual person. We cannot do it just with our own reflections, and finding this guide is part of the ecclesial, that is the communitarian, uh, nature of our faith. So, as I've just said, if you feel blocked in discernment, this is a question to consider. And I would add, what will easily come to mind is, I really would love to find someone like that with whom to speak, but um, it's not easy. Or maybe I've even made an effort here or there, and I wasn't able to find that kind of person. There's more that we could say about this. I don't want to get too far uh, afield in all of this right now. But uh, I, I would just say this, don't lose hope. We have a God who promises us, seek and you will find. And that's a promise. And if you're doing your best to seek and you haven't found, God is not going to let you lose by it in your process of discernment. So don't give up hope too quickly. Don't assume too quickly that it simply it would be nice, but it's not possible. And I would say, um, be willing to make a bit of an effort in this too, if it means driving an hour. If you're in an important discernment, that hour may be the best, the best hour of the day you spend, uh, because that conversation may make all the difference in your process of discernment. So, the Holy Eucharist, confession, prayer with scripture, silence, and spiritual direction, all of these directed specifically toward the process of discernment we're undergoing. And then finally, I'll mention the review of spiritual experience. Ignatius had this key insight that in order to discern, we need to pray. So he said before, there is no discernment without prayer because discernment is a grace, it's a gift, it's something we seek from God. Through prayer, we dispose our hearts to receive. But there's a second piece that together with prayer fosters discernment and moves it forward in a rich way. And that is to review what happens in our prayer and in our spiritual experience. This is um, exquisitely Ignatian, this attention to spiritual experience through various tools that Ignatius gives us. So yes, we pray, but we also dedicate some time to reviewing what's happening in our prayer and in our spiritual experience as we're going through the time of discernment. So let's look at these tools. The first, in order to get in touch with our spiritual experience with what's happening, the first is the review of prayer that Ignatius counsels at the end of these times when we pray with scripture. This is how Ignatius expresses this in the book of the exercises. After an exercise, by which he means a period of prayer, reflective meditation, imaginative contemplation, or the other ways that he describes, after we spent a, a period of prayer with scripture, after the exercise is finished, I will consider for the space of a quarter of an hour. So we have spent an hour in the retreat with scripture, after this, he says, I will consider for the space of a quarter of an hour how the contemplation or meditation went for me. Now, that, 
doesn't mean a quarter of an hour by the clock, 15 minutes, you know, uh, rigidly. What it does tell us is that the review is not just a quick, uh, that was lovely, or that was hard, or I was distracted. But it means taking a few minutes at least, enough time really to review the experience of the prayer. And what are we looking for in that review? And I'll propose two questions that can guide that review. Head and heart. What was I thinking? What drew my attention? As Richard, for example, prays with the encounter of Jesus with Zacchaeus, uh, what really captures him is this moment when gaze meets gaze, and he is just there with the Lord. That's the place in the scripture where his thoughts and his heart center. And the second question, which of course is related to the first, what was I feeling? Joy, peace, anxiety, hope, doubt, encouragement, whatever it might be. What were these stirrings of my heart as I was praying with these scriptures? And so Richard tells us that as he receives this warm, perceptive, encouraging gaze of Jesus that sets aside everything just simply to be with him, and I was all that mattered with him, there's an uplift of his heart. There's something warm. This is a lifting of doubt and anxiety and a sense of peace and closeness with the Lord. So that if Richard does a, a review of his time of prayer in that way, these are the things that he'll note, and he may jot these down if he's going to journal this, as many people do when they review their prayer in this way. That I focused on the moment when Jesus looked at Zacchaeus and all that Zacchaeus saw in his eyes and all that stirred in my heart as I received this gaze from Jesus. Another person could pray with that text and find him or herself focusing on something very different within the text. So let's say that one of us is praying with the gospel passage of Peter walking on water. And let's say as she's praying, she finds herself drawn to Peter's words to Jesus, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come to you. And maybe this is touching something in her life right now as she's sensing the Lord inviting her to take some new step in her life, relationships, her life of prayer, her involvement in the world or the church. And she senses, like Peter, the desire and the hesitation, so that Peter's words to Jesus really capture her attention. That's what she's thinking about. Maybe it's Jesus' invitation in that single word, come that really speaks to her, and she hears and she understands what Jesus is saying to her through these words in her life at present. Maybe it's, it's Peter's fear-stricken cry to Jesus as he's sinking into the waters, Lord, save me, and maybe that really speaks to her heart because now she's undergoing some situation of trial that is burdening her. And maybe it's Jesus' question to Peter, oh, man of little faith, why did you doubt? Didn't you know I could resolve your fear, your danger? So that if this woman reviews her prayer, she will be attentive to what caught her thoughts on what she found herself focusing and what was stirring in her heart as she prays. Now let's say this woman is praying with this passage during a time of discernment and she's going to meet 
with her spiritual director, um, the one who's helping her through the process of discernment. And she has jotted this down, what she found herself thinking and feeling as she prayed with this passage. And let's say she's doing this daily and she's jotting this down daily. You can see the richness of what she's going to have to bring to the spiritual director. She'll really be in touch with the spiritual experience where the Lord is leading as she prays. And also, if, it, if it's present, where the enemy is trying to discourage her, the lies and accusations and discouragements of the enemy, if any are present there as she prays. And then she'll get, as I said, putting this into words, first having reviewed it and written it, and then speaking it out in the right setting will help her get a deeper sense of what's happening in her prayer. And then she'll also be able to get help from the uh, spiritual director in entering it more, into it more deeply. Uh, if you look at the handout, we have just a couple of people. These are again from these interviews that I did uh, when I was writing the book on discerning God's will. So this is Edward. When I make the review, so he's speaking about his review of prayer, my attentiveness during the prayer is better. And that's interesting. Uh, because he's doing the review um, and he knows he's going to do it, he just finds uh, that it's easier for him more readily. Uh, he is attentive in the prayer itself. I started writing it to help me do it more faithfully. It makes the graces explicit. Writing does that. It's a confirmation of what happened in the prayer. I find that writing the review reinforces the habit of praying attentively. And Denise, the key thing for me is writing things down. Then I can look back at what has happened in my prayer. It's about not forgetting. Then I can talk about it later in spiritual direction. And also, if we're doing this daily, it helps us to see trends and patterns you know, over the days. Because uh, we're not going to remember all of this. Because we're not going to remember all of this, and the writing down helps us conserve, as it were, the tra trajectory or the itinerary on which the Lord is leading us in this process of discernment. So this is the first tool Ignatius uh, proposes to us, that when we have the prayer with Scripture, that um, just briefly we review it, and if it helps, uh, we just jot down, if it's only a sentence or two, if I may just add personally, as I try to do this in daily life, uh, that review may be just a minute. On days when there's more, it may be just a couple of minutes. Uh, if I'm spending an hour in prayer, I may take just the last couple of minutes of that time to do this review. And it is really very helpful in being in touch with our spiritual experience. Those of us who have done this or do this know, um, know this. And if we do try it, uh, maybe after a little bit of um, joggling to find our way and our personal way, what helps us best to do this, we'll find that it's fruitful. The second tool that Ignatius proposes to us is the examine prayer. What the review of prayer is for the formal time of prayer with scripture, the examine prayer is for the rest of the day. Because God is active when we're going through a process of discernment and not only but that's our topic now. When we're going through a process of discernment, God is speaking and the enemy may also be trying to discourage us, not only in the time of prayer, but throughout the entirety of the day. And so to review the spiritual experience of the day can be very helpful in a process of discernment. Now, what do we mean by the examine prayer? The classic term is the examination of conscience. 
And that's the prayer whereby generally toward the latter part of the day, we review the day to look for places where of weakness, of failure, of sinfulness, so that we can bring those to the Lord, ask the Lord's forgiveness, and um, move toward growing in these areas in the coming day. And this is an honored, classic, traditional practice uh, in our Catholic life of prayer. If the just one falls seven times a day, uh, there will always be something to notice here. And it's a beautiful thing to be growing like this. This is the reason why we have the penitential rite at the beginning of every Mass, why we have a sacrament of confession. Uh, and the examination of conscience is an individual form of prayer along those lines. When we speak of the examine prayer, what we mean is the classic examination of conscience with all that it contains, but added into it is this dimension of discernment, looking for experiences of spiritual consolation or desolation, how God has acted in the day, has the enemy tried to discourage us, how much of this did we notice and how did we respond to it? So that the examine prayer actually is the examination of conscience with a further richness. These are the five steps of the examine prayer. Again, it would take us too far afield to go into this in depth. I have written a book, if you'll allow me to mention my own books, uh, by that title, The Examine Prayer, which would take you through this um, in a way that I think would equip you to pray it well. So the five steps. So just picture one of us um, maybe in the early evening or before retiring, setting aside five, seven, eight minutes, whatever the prayer will be, to review the spiritual experience of the day together with the Lord. And Ignatius first invites us to look at the ways in which God has loved us concretely in the course of the day and let our hearts express gratitude for that. We then ask the Lord's help to perceive clearly the nature of the spiritual experience in the course of the day. And then we review that experience together with the Lord. And there we're looking for experiences of joyful spiritual consolation, of the uh, more difficult spiritual desolation if they've been there, any inspirations from the Lord in the course of the day, temptations from the enemy, and how we've responded to those. We're looking at the picture, as it were, of our spiritual experience in the course of the day in order to see more clearly and learn from this. If we need to ask God's forgiveness uh, anywhere from what we, how we've lived the day, uh, we ask the Lord for that warm and beautiful and healing gift of forgiveness. And then with the Lord, we look toward the next day and we plan in the light of what we've seen on how to live the Lord so that we're always growing. The examined prayer really is a prayer of daily growth. Um, again, as I've said before, anyone who does pray this knows this. And um, if anyone, if this is new for anyone, I'd warmly encourage you to get to know more about the Examine Prayer. There are many resources written and digital um, on the web, and there are several books now uh, about this. So these are the five steps of the Examine Prayer. So these are the three tools that Ignatius proposes to us to help us review and thereby understand and enter more deeply into what God is doing through our prayer and spiritual experience in the time of discernment. And if the enemy is attempting to discourage us in any way to see that also more clearly so that we can firmly set that aside. The review of prayer, which can be just brief, a few minutes uh, at the conclusion of our daily time of prayer, 
the daily examine prayer. Uh, as I say, five, seven minutes, more or less, whatever it will be. And um, if we do some journaling in conjunction with both of these, that will help us when we meet with whoever is accompanying us in the process of discernment. And we'll ensure that that encounter of direction will be right on target because we, we will have our spiritual, finger, um, spiritual experience right at our, spiritual, at, at our fingertips and we'll be able to express it well clearly and easily to the director. So, we've looked at the kinds of choice. We've looked at the foundation on which discernment is built. We've looked at the disposition which permits discernment. And we've gone through the key spiritual means or tools that Ignatius proposes and looked at how they can apply and help us in a process of discernment. The next question is, how will we know that we've heard God's answer? Let's presume that we're doing all of this. And that's our next question, which was probably for many of us, the question that actually brought us to this retreat. How will I know that I've heard God's answer? And that's where Ignatius will turn in the next item we'll look at. And that is what I'm calling discernment or the three modes or patterns in which Ignatius learned God may answer that question. So we'll pick this up the next time. You've been listening to the audio taken from the seminar on discerning the will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download other recordings from this seminar and so much more from Father Gallagher, visit discerninghearts.com or locate them within the free Discerning Hearts app. You can also view this series of talks on the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher.